Well, I think that we've already responded to what I've got to say, so I'm done. Um, <laughs> awesome, that is good. Thank you, uh, Jack and Amy and Alan and everyone else. Worship team, Brad. So sorry, Brad. You're awesome, thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> so bad, great start. Um, honestly, guys, you are awesome. I know that a lot of time and effort and prayer goes into your set. So thank you very much for leading us in worship. Um, so as you guys know, I work with youth. So this talk is going to be very interactive. So I need you to be interactive back. Okay, is that okay? I'm done. No, I'm joking. Is that okay? All right, we're going to warm up. No, was that you, Jack? No. It wasn't Jack? Okay, just checking, just checking. All right, so the first question I've got for you guys is what is the craziest, like I want crazy, I don't want chocolate, that's not crazy enough, craziest craving that you've ever had? Craziest craving. Just throw it at me. Go for it, Alan. Haggis. You know what, haggis, haggis and gravy, so good, so good. Hannah? Ice. Interesting. Fair enough, fair enough. Anything else? One more, one more. Peanut butter and jelly. Jam. That was very American of me. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's like, that's, that's normal. Um, I think the craziest one that I had was um, any Whovians out there, they would probably have the same craving. There you go, Jack's got it, Jack's got it. Um, so when Matt Smith first became the doctor the first episode, um, the doctor had a craving for fish fingers and custard. I know, it sounds grim, it sounds grim. I like both of them, this is the thing. I like custard and I like fish fingers. So I thought, what's it gonna be like together, right? So I craved this for about a couple of weeks and I think Jack was there and a couple of others. Um, we all decided to try it. I know. It wasn't. It genuinely wasn't. I mean, I wouldn't go to the co-op and buy it for that reason, but it's, it's generally not that bad. That's something that you guys can crave when you go home. Um, <laughs> anyway, here's another question. You don't have to respond to this one. This is between you and God, okay? What is a thing that we crave for when it comes to church? Let's go a bit deeper. What is a thing that we hunger for in our relationship with God? Maybe it is a good worship session. Maybe it is fellowship with others. Maybe it is learning God's word. I know, crazy. The gospel, absolutely. Amen, Naomi. Um, what about hunger to serve? What about the hunger to serve? That might not be one of the first things that comes to mind. Maybe in your head, serving is a tick box chore for you to do, but this is what I want to challenge us on today, okay? There are so many accounts of Jesus teaching his disciples on everything, right? And serving was one of them, okay? And obviously, he was the best example of this. The verse, or the verses that we're going to look at, I want to call out some key areas I think will encourage us, challenge us, and to get us involved in working with God's people and his so, if you have your Bibles, turn to or switch on me. Um, Matthew 14, verses 12 to 21. Matthew 14, 12 to 21. I would normally get the youth to put their Bibles on their heads, but I won't get you guys to do that. Or if you want to, go for it. I'm not going to judge you. 
Put your phones on your heads as well, if you can balance it. I will not be paying for your phone if it falls off and breaks. Okay? <laughs> nice one, Becky. <laughs> awesome. Is everyone there? Yeah, awesome. So, it says, and his disciples, we'll get to the contacts in a minute, and his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and then they went and told Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But the crowd heard it. They followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had what? Compassion, amen, on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds to go away into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus, who's thankful for the but Jesus, right? But Jesus said, they need not go away. You Give them something to eat. Verse 17, they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Verse 20, and they all ate. Emphasis on all. <laughs> all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Amen? So to help us break that down, I like my three points. Okay, three-point sermon. Um, and that is surround, surrender, serve. Three S's, easy to remember. Surround, Surrender, serve. Okay. So for the first point, I've kind of got a sub-point with surround, and that's separate. Surround and separate. Probably sounds like an oxymoron, right? They sound like they're two complete opposites, and I hope that I can make sense of this for you guys. But I want to ask you guys another question. I'm going to get you guys doing some of the work this morning, okay? This is just between you and God. Don't expect answers. Don't worry. How far will we go to make it look like we have it all together? How far will we go to make it look like we have it all together? A wee side note is that we need to be careful about when we think that people have it all together. Because half the time we only see, what, 30%? Maybe, depending on how well you know that person. And there's so much more going on beneath the surface. Let's go to um, verses 12 and 40 again. We're going to read them again because you can't have enough scripture. Um, and it says, His disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now Jesus heard this, and he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had what? I'm going to try that one more time. And he had what? There we go. I'm going to draw that into you guys. On them and healed their sick. Okay. So context, you can't have text because you've just got a con. So context. <laughs> so right, you, some, of, some of you will get that in a second. Um, so the context of these verses, particularly 
verse 12 is that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Okay, that is his disciples, and that is the body that they are burying. Um, he was beheaded by King Herod, different King Herod from when Jesus was we. Okay, um, all because he made an oath to the daughter of Herodicus, Herodicus, some, something like that. Yep, look it up. Um, <laughs> which shows us that words and promises have power, regardless of who says it. It can either lift us up or put us in a sticky situation, just like it did with King Herod. John the Baptist was also Jesus's cousin, okay? But also alongside that, in the chapter beforehand, we see that Jesus is actually preaching epic parables, right? But he is also rejected, yes, people rejected Jesus, insane, I know, but he was rejected by people from his own hometown of Nazareth, right? These are the same people who saw him grow up. These are the same people who would have seen him cut his knee for the first time, the same people who saw him wield a hammer. These people rejected Jesus, okay? We could go more into that, but (laughs) I don't have time. Um, Read it when you get home. So with all of this said, Jesus would have had a lot going on. Right? Do we agree? Yeah? Okay, just checking. Um, We know that he is fully God, but he's also fully human too, which means that his humanity would have felt the heaviness of all these events. This is one thing, because there's so many others, but one of the things that makes Jesus so relatable to me and you, okay? He can truly say that he knows what we are going through. He can truly say that he knows what we are feeling. Verse 13, let's go back to it. So it tells us that on hearing this news of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Sometimes when we get bad news, also good news, the best thing for us to do is just leave, right? Not leave, but to separate ourselves from the busyness of life and just to turn to him, right? Now, I am assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that not many of us own a boat. Am I, am I right in assuming that? I mean, if you do, and if it's a yacht, I would love an invite. Like, we could have Sunday service on the yacht. That'd be pretty cool. Um, I'm assuming that not everybody owns a boat, right? I'm getting some nods at the back, okay? But there are so many things that we can do instead of going on a boat, yeah? We can go for a walk, take the dog for a walk. We can go for a run. Um, we can go for a drive. I don't suggest that you pray closing your eyes whilst you're driving. Do not do that. That is not safe. Um, It's literally Jesus, take the wheel. Right. Hey, see? Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You can spend time alone in your room. If you want to be alone, just clean. No one's ever going to bother you if you're cleaning. It's true. Naomi knows that. Naomi knows that. Jack, come on, man. Sorry, you're right at the front. You're right at the front. I can, I can pick on you. <laughs> anyway, there are so many... I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it at the end. Um, there are so many areas in the Bible where separation brings beauty. One of these areas is with Elijah. Remember the famine? He separated himself from those people, uh, maybe even for selfish reasons. But God had grace. Grace? Grace. There we go. It's because I meant to say gracious, but anyway grace upon him and he used does anyone know what he used to provide for him it's an animal raven thank you joe yeah he used a raven 
to provide for him. Now, in the Jewish culture, ravens would have been known as dirty, greedy birds. And Elijah would have known this. God knew this. All right, this just shows that God can use anything and anyone to prove a point, to challenge us, to provide for us, and to care for us, right? We cannot put God in a box, because if we do, he will obliterate it, okay? That's as simple as that. You can see that in 1 Kings 17, if you want to read it when you get home. Another one, Jesus, hello, Jesus is the answer, right? Um, there's so many occasions of where he separated himself, and here is another one, um, Luke 6, 12. This is when he is calling his disciples. He spends the whole night, okay, not five minutes on a Bible app, looking at the daily Bible verse. No, 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 no. The whole evening on a mountainside praying to God. That's how important it was to Jesus to choose those people, okay? When we separate ourselves in reading God's word, praying, worshiping, you don't need to be in church to worship. Yeah, amen? amen. Getting there, slowly. Um, <laughs> but we surround ourselves and remind ourselves of God's promise and truth. And this is something that can strengthen us and push us forward for the rest of the day and week. I am sure that you can think of many other situations where separation brought beauty. But I think we're getting the picture, right? Okay, getting some nods and getting a yes at the front. Good, I'm glad. Um, Jesus, in hearing of John's death, separated himself to be with God. Sometimes things don't always work out the way we planned. Jesus being Jesus had people following him. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't follow Jesus? Jesus is Jesus, right? Like, yeah. Um, I would totally be part of that crowd. But I love what Jesus does next. We've touched on it. I'm going to keep touching it. Um, when he got to the shore, he was welcomed by a great crowd. Not going to lie, if I was Jesus, I'm not, praise God. Um, but if I was, I would stand there, bawl my eyes out, get back on the boat and sail away. <laughs> right? That's what my humanity would want me to do. Right? But Jesus didn't do that. He had... Thank you, Daniel. He had compassion. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it in there, okay? He had compassion on them, healed the sick among them, was willing to listen to them and just be there with those people. But more on that later. Second point, surrender. Surrender in brokenness. This is a fun one. <laughs> okay, so this is where the demo comes in. So under some seats, there should be a piece of paper. If you don't have a piece of paper and you want a piece of paper and you can see a piece of paper, grab the piece of paper. Oh, Naomi. There's some pieces of paper at the front. If you want one, give me one. You can have one as well. Just put it in the corner. It doesn't mean you escape it. Awesome. So has everyone got one that wants one? Yeah? Awesome. We are going to do a very, very simple, <laughs> simple demo. What we are going to do, quiet in the back. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be mean. I love you guys too much. Okay, so what we are going to do is we are literally, no tearing, Naomi. It's always one. It's always one. I'll send you to the back. Right, no. What we're going to do is we're literally just going to do this. Literally just going to shake it as hard as you can. I don't want waving. I want proper shaking. 
Stop. Brilliant. Almost. Almost. Okay, we're going to do the same thing, but wait. Wait. Before we do, we're going to crease it, crumple it as tight as you want, does not matter. And then we're going to try and, this is where it fails, unscrew it, uncrumple it, un unwrap it. Thank you, Jack. As you can tell, I didn't take English as GCSE or A-levels at all. All right, there we go. Got the creases. Okay. And now we're going to do exactly the same thing. Are you ready? Three, two. Hey. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Okay, stop without poking yourself in the eye, Naomi. Okay, so you can do whatever you want with that piece of paper. You can take notes on it if you want to. Just putting it out there. Okay, that is the demonstration over. Do not throw it at me. I would appreciate that. Maybe at the end we can have a massive paper fight. Okay, which piece of paper made the most noise? The first one. Interesting that, isn't it? The first sheet of paper shows us what happens when we try and close ourselves off from God, from others, and we think that we're being quiet about it, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Betty. I'm glad I've got someone who can relate to me. <laughs> but it's really hard, especially if you've got, so I've got a particular handful of, of friends who will ask me, Abby, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, your voice kind of goes up an octave when you lie. But I'm absolutely fine. I'm great. And they turn around to me and they're like, okay, don't lie to me, Abby. <sighs> every single time, every single time my heart breaks, right? Anybody else could ask me, I would not care. These particular, well, not, not care, but wouldn't affect me, right? These particular people, every time they say, do not lie to me, it breaks my heart because I know that they know that I'm lying, right? They are the people that I've given authority to speak into my life and to challenge me on those areas. This is gonna make me sound like I'm 190 years old, but this is where I don't understand social media, right? They're <laughs> laughing. Simply because whatever you post, whether you realize that you're doing it or not, you're giving people authority to judge you. You're giving people authority to comment, to share, to like, to thumbs down, to cry emoji, whatever it is, at your post, right? And this is something that we need to be careful of. Not everybody deserves to have that authority to talk into your life. God knows and will give you those people, and you will know those people, right? They will know God, they'll know you, as simple as that. When they ask you if you are okay, they actually mean it and actually want an answer, not, I'm all right, you know. But also, they'll pray for you, and you will feel when they're praying for you. You will know when they are praying for you. But not only is it hard to lie to those people, it's impossible. Not even hard, it's impossible to lie to God, right? Has anyone ever tried to lie to God? Thank you, Sophie. I know, I've definitely tried to lie to God, and it has not gone my way at all, okay? But this is where the crunkled up, crunkled up, creased up, screwed up piece of paper comes into it, right? It made the, le the least noise, okay? As soon as we realize that we are broken, and we have things, and we have issues that we need to deal with, God can use it. And the noise is still there, if you listen closely, but it's not 
the main noise that we are hearing. Does that make sense? Yeah, this is why there is beauty in surrender and brokenness. So, in this, we realize that we are not alone. We see the things that we need to completely drop, right? Not just holding with a pinky and the thumb. I don't know why people would hold something like that, but that's just what I thought. Um, but also the things that we need to completely surrender up to God. And this can be anything, right? In this text, the disciples were surrendering their time, their efforts, and probably, if they're anything like me, their want to go home, right? Their want to sleep. Let's go to verse 15 to 16. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowd away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. First off, it sounds like they've been there a wee while. Okay, The fact that Matthew thinks that it's important to mention that it was evening when this happened, and the fact that the disciples said that the day is now over. Right? They're basically saying, look, Jesus, we're tired. We've been on our feet all day. We're hungry. We're sleepy. Just send them away. Right? I would do exactly the same. For those who know me, know that I can get hangry <laughs> if I don't have food. All right, especially, thank you, especially if I don't have coffee. Like, don't even look at me. <laughs> don't even look at me if I've not had my coffee, unless you're bringing me coffee. If you're bringing me coffee, you're my best friend, okay? But we see that Jesus then turns around to them and basically says, okay, you've seen the need. You deal with it. You've seen the need, you deal with it. Jesus wasn't oblivious to his disciples' needs, but he also knew the need of the crowd because he had what on them? Thank you, Naomi. Try again. They had what on them? Compassion. Thank you very much. Compassion, meaning he was sympathetic and had concern for the sufferings and misfortune of others. We want to be like Jesus, right? Okay, <clears throat> one more time. We want to be like Jesus, right? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Cool. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that one as well. And we want to be like Jesus and have compassion and love for people, right? Yeah. But if we're honest, sometimes it can be hard to see the need of others when the needs of our own are screaming so loud. This can be in anything, financial, family, friends, church, school, college, um, work, dreams, health, whatever it may be, okay? But I want to share a little example with you guys, and I love it, of where surrender and surround come together so, so beautifully, right? There was a woman, she was in a room probably full of men, okay, and she was doing a job of a man. This man was Simon, okay, he was a Pharisee. He invited Jesus to come round his house. We see this in Luke 7, 36 to 50. Luke 7, 36 to 50, okay? In that culture, the host or the host's servants would wash the feet of those who would come in. They would dry them and then they would anoint them, right? But if we read this in Luke 7, Jesus just walks straight in straight to 
the table. Now, this can mean anything. We can make accusations. Maybe Simon didn't want Jesus there. Maybe he just forgot. We don't really know. We just know that he went straight to the table, right? And the thing about the table is I always imagine Jesus sitting at the table like we would, you know, with our knees underneath the table and the table about yay high, right? Yeah. Um, but in those, those days, those days, though, in those days, there we go, the table, no idea what happened there, um, was probably about this height, right? And they were probably, do I get down? I'm going to do it. I'm going to get down. Sorry, guys. So they were probably, had their feet out. There we go, like this. And they were leaning. Sorry if you can't see me. They were probably like this. Probably, oh, switch over and do the same. Naomi's laughing at me because I'm getting old. Okay, so that's how their table would have been, right? And this is where this woman is awesome. Okay, it actually says that she was standing at the back of the room. So Jesus would be reclining on the table. His feet, I'm not doing it again. His feet would be behind him. Okay, it says that her tears washed Jesus's feet. Meaning she would have had to be bawling her eyes out, ugly crying. Girls would know what that means. You know, mascara down the face. Not, it's not, right, for her tears to have touched Jesus's feet. Right, and this is something that I say to my youth all the time. I'm going to say it again. Sorry, guys. Apologize. Um, is that you can have two people in exactly the same atmosphere, in exactly the same room, listening to, hello, Jesus. If you're not crying whilst listening to Jesus, there's something wrong, in my opinion. Um, but that's just because I'm a very emotional person. Um, but you have Simon, who is probably sitting there, or <laughs> leaning there, with his arms folded, probably tutting, shaking his head, because he knows, he knew, that this woman was a prostitute. She was a woman of the night, right? In fact, everybody in that room probably know that, or know that, if you get my drift. Um, but she did not care. She washed Jesus' feet with her tears, dried them, and then anointed him. This is the beauty of surren surrender and surrounding. You don't care what others think of you. You just do it. She was in complete awe of the Most High. That's a wee little nugget for you guys. You can take that or leave it. Going back to Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was probably trying to show his disciples that when faith is involved, so is surrender. You can't have faith without surrender. It just does not work, okay? Surrender is knowing that God has everything under control, even when it thinks like everything is belly up right, is completely against you, to lay down the old thinking and to trust in him. He wanted to get them ready to be part of something greater than themselves. Third point, we're almost done. Maybe nudge somebody, give them a holy nudge. They're sort of falling asleep. Someone nudge Lydia. She's almost, no, you're, the, you're okay. Yeah, you're okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> oh, she's taking notes. Oh, proud of you. Okay, so, so far, we have looked at surrounding slash separation. We've looked at um, surrendering. And now it's time to get practical. Okay, now it's time to serve. Why serve? Simple answer, it's biblical. Okay, but also, it's a great way to get to know people. A great way to get to know people. It's a great conversation starter. Like, okay, what are we going to do for kids this week? Or more importantly, in my book, what biscuits are we going to do for tea and coffee this week? Right? Amen? Yes. 
that's just me. No, I'm joking, by the way. I'm not saying that biscuits are more important than kids' work. That's not, don't quote me on that. Okay, but also, name is giving me a look, but also it gives us a sense of vulnerability, right? People get to see us at our best, but also at our worst. Something that we need to be aware of is that serving doesn't always involve a mic, and it doesn't always get seen by a multitude of people. But what serving does remind us of is who we serve and why it is a delight, not a chore, delight to serve him. Going back to his disciples, Jesus told them, you go and do it. Sometimes when we see a need, it isn't the job of the pastor to fulfill it, but it's ours. Why else would God open our eyes to those people, those issues, if it wasn't for that reason, right? Let's take a look at some reasons that disciples came up with. Verse 17 to 21, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish, he, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Remember, the disciples would have been tired, achy, hungry, all the emotions of a very, very long day. Yet, if they'd gone home, just think what they would have missed out on. Verse 20, and only the crowd ate. Is that what your Bible says? What does it say? Doesn't. And all ate, <laughs> almost. <laughs> all ate, right? Meaning the crowd, the disciples, and Jesus. Okay, they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Okay, 12 baskets, 12 disciples. Take that as you will. I know, mind-blowing. Um, and those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Amen? Amen. What an awesome scripture. This can show us so many things. Okay. Um, in the other gospels, it actually mentions that it was a wee lad's lunch. And which can tell us that it doesn't matter how old you have to be. You can be we or you can be older <laughs> to serve God. But also, it doesn't matter how little you think you have. It doesn't matter how little food, in this case, or experience, or creativity, or time, or effort, or energy. As long as we put it into God's hands, he is the one who can do amazing stuff with it. Right? Now, remember, the church isn't a joy ride. It's a joy to be part of the ride. See what I did there? Yeah, you like that? You like that? Quite proud of that one. Um, <laughs> which includes serving and maintenance of the car, or in this case, of the church. Right? I mean, can you imagine? Right? Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They have this basket, and they're handing it out, and they're like, how many pieces? Three. Of bread and fish. Okay. How many have you done? Two groups. I've only done one. How much have you got? You're nearly finished. <laughs> Keep going. Peter, how much? I, I'm nearly empty. I, oh no, don't mind. It's fine. I can just keep going. Right? So that day full of so many emotions. Right? Can you imagine getting to the last bit of bread thinking, well, that's it. I'm not going to eat. Or that's it. We've not even done half of the crowd yet and then looking back into the basket and boom 
I mean, I don't know if it works like that, but that's how I have it in my head, <laughs> okay? That's the way I picture it. Um, it doesn't actually say it happens like that, but you can take that as you will. Um, but also, the part of serving is that it gives a testimony to those about Christ and the excitement that we have to serve him, right? As a, as a kid, you can ask Liddy, I'm not ashamed of this, is that um, as young children, our parents would get us to serve at a very young age, right? My dad was a youth pastor, which meant that we got there really, really, really early, like three hours early. That's maybe a bit dramatic, but it felt really early. And then left really, really late, okay? But my parents made it a competition, and people wonder why I'm so competitive, okay? So they would be like, right, okay, you've got three minutes to stack as many chairs as you can. So I'd be like, okay, okay. So I'd be going, and I would unstack chairs to stack them again just to get more points. Um, but they would also be like, okay, see how many pieces of rubbish you can pick up in two. See how much of the carpet you can hoover in four. And because of that, and I see prayer and Bible study and all good stuff like that, all three of us serve God in some way, outside and inside the church, and we get excited to do that. And I know I'm not the only one with that, or I hope I'm not the only one with that attitude. There are so many areas where we can get involved in. You've got kids' work, um, you've got youth work, um, you've got cash work. If you are a cash addict like me, you appreciate teas and coffees on a Sunday morning. You can get involved in that. That is serving, that is a ministry in my book, um, just because that's me, part of that blessing. You know, there are so many options there. Serving each other is a privilege, not a duty. So, what is the thing that you are hungry for? What is the thing that you are passionate about? Start with that. Of course, the disciples made their excuses, but they did it, and they got to receive a blessing themselves in serving others. We go back to verse 14. I said that we would. I love this verse. I don't know if you can quite realize that. When he, when he went ashore, saw a great crowd, and he had Passion. almost on them and healed, well done, Jack, and healed their sick. Jesus didn't allow his situation to stop him from healing and from serving others. This wasn't the only time that Jesus had ever served, okay? You've got the fact that he washed his disciples' feet. Remember that, John 13. He cooked his disciples' breakfast on the beach, John 21. He would talk to people that no one would be seen dead with. He got interrupted by people. It didn't seem an interruption to him, but he got interrupted by people to get healing. Daniel mentioned it, the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 5, 25 to 34. The fact that he allowed the children to come, the context of that is the fact that he was talking to Pharisees, right, important people of that day, and he stopped that to allow the children to come to him. That is our God. That is the God that we serve. There is another example. James and John, right, they ask for a left and a right seat um, next to Jesus in heaven. He tells them about a cup that he is going to drink, and if they can drink that same cup, they naively, in my book, says yes, okay? And then Jesus drops this one on them. Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life 
as a ransom for many. Amen? Amen. So, we want to be more like Jesus, right? So, we want to be more like Jesus, right? There we go. (laughs) Almost finished. So, as I conclude, I'm going to invite the band to come back up to get ready. I'm sorry, Jack. I know. Getting you to serve. It's disgusting. I'm going to get you (laughs) to come up. Um, And I'm going to finish on the cross, right? The cross is a great example of what we have just spoken about. Jesus surrounded himself in the presence of his father, spent time in the garden of Gethsemane praying, and he was, sorry, and he was separated from God. For the first time, he was separated from God because of you and me, because of our sins, because he took that upon himself. And he surrendered, wasn't taken, he surrendered up his life. For you and me, and in doing so, has done the greatest act of serving known to man. And as a result, we have freedom, we have free access to talk to God, we don't need to go to a priest or do animal sacrifices anymore. Amen? Amen. Okay, amen. <laughs> but also, we are free from death, right? Um, physically speaking. No, sorry, spiritually speaking. My bad. Almost. Almost, hey. (laughs) So, how do I get hungry? How do I get that hunger? One, surround ourselves in God's, in his words, in his promises. Two, surrender our wants and our desires and know God knows what he's doing. And finally, serve. Get involved and see what happens. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to you guys. Dear God, I thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you are to us, Lord. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, Lord. I just pray that um, as this word enters our hearts, Lord, that you will challenge us, that you'll encourage us, that you will move us in knowing what we need to do next. In Jesus' name, amen.